for the readings we had today and um, I thought we would start the readings with the uh, typical day in the life of Krishna and his coward friends as I've written about it in the uh, book I'm working on uh, Friends Forever and from the section of the book which is constitutes a legal narrative I have begun the narrative with the 12th chapter of the 10th candle of the Bhagavatam which is uh, deals with the slaying of Agasura followed by bewilderment of Brahma and Brahma's prayers three of them together um, are the um, really the Bhagavatam's beginning of the description of Sakirati and they begin with Krishna's calf herding rather than cow herding which um, he manages to negotiate um, with his parents um, such that uh, rather than cow herding he begins calf herding and um, starts in this way his life as a coward as I've said before there are three basic identities of Krishna in the Brajalila he's son of Yashoda he's the lover of Radha and the gopis and he's a coward so these three identities then um, correspond with three types of love of Krishna the Vatsalya Rati Madhuri Rati and Sakya Rati <clears throat> and there are several chapters in the 10th canon of the Bhagavatam dealing with each of these three types of um, love <clears throat> so the Brahma Vimohan Lila or the killing of Agasura that precedes it is the beginning of that Sakirati center of the Bhagavatam those three chapters 12, 13, 14 ending with Brahma's prayers um, then uh, 15 is the Denakasura Lila which uh, describes or uh, mentions um, implies I should say the uh, the Gopastami which is the day in which Krishna becomes a cowherder rather than a kafir, which he's now passed from the end of his Kumar Leela. Sesh Kumar means the end of the Kumar Leela. And he's just starting to segue into his Poganda age and Leela. So from childhood to boyhood, then of course it moves from boyhood into adolescence and his romantic life. So uh, just as his romantic life st- has its actual early beginnings in his Poganda Leela, mm-hmm. and it's in the middle and end part of his boyhood, uh, we, we start to see some Purvarag, some initial feelings expressed between Krishna and the gopis of separation before having met and introduced uh, wondering you know, does she feel the way I feel about her, does he feel the way I feel about him and so forth as this begins in the middle and end in particular of his Bhagana Leela and then fully comes on his Kishore Leela similarly his, his propensity for being a cowherder and pursuing his dharma, his occupation, um, begins at the end of his Poganda, excuse me, the end of his Kumar Leela, and then, or he's a calf herder, and then into the Poganda Leela in his, in his boyhood, 
and he's the leader of the So that's the 15th chapter, uh, which takes it's really a really a summary of the basic day in the life or leela of Krishna from Paganda to Kishore. It ends with Kishore, his Kishore, him entering into his Kishore leela by exchanging glances with the gopis upon returning home. So we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's the 15th chapter. And then the 16th chapter is, I believe, the slaying of Kaliya, which is also, um, he's in his Paganda age. And then um, in the 18th chapter, there's a description of the killing of Pralambasur and beautiful descriptions of the coward Leelas there as well in the beginning of that chapter. So that could be included as part of the Sakirati center of the Bhagavatam. As we have preceding it, the chapter is dealing with uh, mm, surrounding, I should say, the um, the uh, uh, misbehavior of Krishna that uh, gives rise to Madhusoda chastising him and tying him up and then uh, breaking the uh, free from the mortar that he's bound to by breaking the Arjun trees and so forth. This, this There's several chapters surrounding this. That is the then the Vatsalya Rati center of the 10th candle. And of course the Madhuri Rati center is the five chapters of the um, Rasalila. Mm-hmm. And a little overlapping here and there, uh, and, and all of these as I'm, I'm explaining. So, um, uh, I'm retelling, if you will, the the Nisakiras narrative of the Bhagavatam, drawing on the works of the Goswamis, Jiva Goswamis, for example, poetic work of Champu, Vrindavan Champu, of uh, Kavi Karnapur various Bhagavatam commentaries of Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur, uh, Jiva Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, um, my Guru Maharaj, uh, Om Vishnupada, Sivaktivedanta Swami, Prabhupada. Um, and also uh, upon the Leela Grantas such as uh, Chakrati Thakur's Krishna Bhavanamrita, which describes that eight divisions of Krishna's typical day and and Krishna's Kaviraj's uh, Krishna Govindalilamrita which precedes Vishwanath and is the same uh, a uh, beautiful poetic text describing the eightfold divisions of the day and the life of Krishna. Uh, both books have their uh, Beginnings, if you will, in uh, the stanzas of Rupa Goswami, just verses um, mentioning such uh, divisions, and perhaps in Sanatan's work, and also that uh, that is drawn from the Sanatkumar uh, Samhita. So, all these books I'm uh, drawing on, and. Um, retelling the story. These stories are told, of course, written with all the texts I've mentioned are written in Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. Of course, besides these texts, I'm referencing Chaitanya Charitamrita and other other works. Uh, entirety of the Gaudiya uh, um, corpus of, of uh, sacred texts um, to bring out different points of tattva and 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 in, in, in retelling them or the story, the narrative in English to put into the English language the, po- the poetic kind of sensibilities and feelings and so forth that are there in the, the Sanskrit works that don't come out that well, I would say, in a direct translation. Often, I find that many of the translations that we have are—you get the picture, but it doesn't necessarily convey that well 
the feeling and so to take the material and with feeling and put it in the English language is, is um, what I've done and it's it's really an exercise for my own um, benefit the overflow of which may uh, benefit others if they're so inclined they have a sympathetic heart for uh, these uh, feelings of um, of Krishna, Leela and Sakurati in particular so with that brief uh, introduction uh, here for the Janmasthami morning now just uh, preceding the preparing of the lunch for Giriraj Govardhan we will um, uh, begin this reading which I was singing about this morning earlier um, while you were rising um, and that uh, from a song that was composed by myself with the help of uh, the Bengali uh, and poetic sensibilities of my uh, student Sham Sundar, uh, a song that we sing daily now in uh, Madhuvan uh, during the Mongol Arctic, um, which uh, describes the waking of Krishna and the cowherds and the beginning of the of, of an exciting day of, of cowherding. So I'll read that poem. This is how the chapter starts. Before the new sun on a raised platform, Balaram blows his horn. At the call, Bhaire, brothers, the cowards rise and Sham sleeps on. Like a fresh rain cloud in the coppery dawn sky, the joy of Goku lies content on a colorful bed. Yashoda sprinkles his face with water, drinking the beauty of his visage. The young Brahmin, Madhumangal, Krishna's dear friend, shakes his hand and wakes him, saying, Hey, get up, Kana. Open your eyes and quit your sleeping. All the cowards want to go to the forest. Come, dear friend of ours. Behold how beautiful in the glow of the dawn are Sevaka and Savior Bhagawan. Friends to everyone, false ego, gone, the blessings of Sri Sachinandam. O Kana, and Balai, let's go together from the forest, from, excuse me, forest to forest, all day long. We'll go to Govardhan and Jamuna, carefree in the service of the cows. Ha, Ram, Govinda, my dear divine pair, apple of the gopi's eyes. My eyes are devoid of tears, but I cry, when will I attain this ideal? The daylight hours in the life of Ram and Krishna's friends begin with the sound of Balaram's buffalo horn. Ram, glowing like a confident full moon that never fades, even as the night ends, stands on a raised platform against the copper sky just before the sun peaks above the horizon. Surya, that is, waits for Ram to herald the new day as the sound of Ram's horn calls the cowherds to assemble in endless streams longing for cowherding throughout the forests of Braj come true. In the Brajlila there is waking and dreaming consciousness, but no dreamless sleep, and therein waking and dreaming manifest not unto themselves, nor within the fourth all-encompassing dimension of consciousness, Turiya, but rather in the fifth dimension, Turiyatita Gopala. So it says, Gopal Tapanishruti. But I digress. Before continuing the narrative, I'll say a few words about what we've read so far. Um, and incidentally, we've commissioned a painting that's been finished of Balaram blowing his horn on a raised platform mm-hmm. with cowards entering into the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj and the, up, up above uh, there's uh, uh, Krishna in his comp- sleeping uh, compartment 
um, just as the day um, um, begins. So as mentioned in the reading, um, the day begins with Balaram's buffalo horn. He calls all the boys to assemble, and Krishna is still asleep at this point. After all, he's been out, of course, as he becomes mature. This goes on every day. This, of course, we're looking at it right now in the context of this Bhagavatam narrative in his Kumar Lila, but as he matures in the Minti Lila, as a kishore, then because you've been out all night with the gopis, so he's, he's he's sleeping sleeping in, trying to, but the day goes on and his duty as a cowherd doesn't go away, despite his romantic uh, rendezvous throughout the night, and so forth. So the daylight hours of are begin for the cowherds with Balaram's horn. They assemble and then they go to wake up uh, wake up Krishna. Uh, here it's mentioned Ram glowing like a competent full moon that never fades even as the night ends uh, the idea here in this uh, uh, phrase is that um, um, of course the, the, the full moon fades as the sun comes up hmm? it's pale and so forth but Ram who is compared to the full moon in many beautiful poems, uh, his complexion is compared to the moon, which is of a reflective nature, light that is of the moon. Light of the moon is uh, derived from the reflection of the sun and Balaram's complexion is compared to the moon, not only because of the color, hmm? Bondra, it's white, hmm? or crystal-like, uh, Rupa Goswami describes it in Radha Krishna Vanadeshtipika, but crystal or moon, in either case, the light of each is reflective. In other words, the light of the moon, as I said, is the reflection of the sun. And the light of the crystal, the crystal shines, let's say, in terms of color. It's uh, it's transparent, but if you put a red rose next to it, then it will shine like a red rose. So it will reflect the color that's next to it. So Balaram is kind of... Uh, uh, as such, emotionally, emotionally, he's of course always reflecting on Krishna and um, um, representing him as a kind of guru tattva, the fountainhead of the guru tattva. Um, uh, famously, uh, he does so in his return to Vrindavan in the Bhagavatam to console the inhabitants there. And particularly the gopis representing Krishna, um, so um, he has been in many places. His complexion compared to the moon, and for good, good reasons, as I'm mentioning. And here I've said that he appeared like the like a confident full moon that never fades, hmm? even with the rising of the sun. The confidence here, confidence is the is really the pradhan or the 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 root, the the principal uh, emotive uh, condition of Sakyarati. It's filled with confidence, Vishramba. Rupa hmm? Goswami says Vishrambina Guru Seva. We should save the Guru serve the Guru with confidence. So it of course, it doesn't speak about serve the guru and sakirati there, but it, it means with confidence, with firm faith, with conviction, hmm? and which, as I've often said, faith animates us. Hmm? The Bhagavad Gita Krishna says, a person is their faith. Shraddho ayam purusha. So, faith animates. In Pujapachira Marsh's poetic expression, we find the, uh, the the opposite. What uh, suspicion leads to suspension. If we're suspicious, then we're suspended. We have faith, then then with 
confident to, pr- to proceed hmm, along the path. Um, so we should derive confidence from the guru, de- guru who removes our doubts by citing this, the, the, the revelation, hmm, explaining it, uh, uh, shedding new light on it, so on and so forth, and thereby clearing our doubts so that we can proceed <coughs> in confidence. Uh, but here, the confidence of Satarasa, the same word is used, similar word, Vishrambha, hmm? so it means confidence, but in Satarati, it is the it is kind of the core, the central, underlying, emotive uh, sensibility. Confidence. Friends have confidence in one another. Hmm? There's confidence uh, in, it, in, in, that, in, in an intimacy that comes from the confidence that allows me to share Hmm? be vulnerable with my friends and share with them hmm? and have no secrets. We're the closest friends, then we have, we have, have no secrets. So Ram, glowing like a confident, is understood properly, confidence here is speaking about his, 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 his being, the very birth, if you will, of Sakirati. Hmm? Krishna's emotion uh, his, his desire for friendly love manifests in the form of, of Balaram. <clears throat> so he's the personification of that, uh, that, that sensibility. So Ram, glowing like the confident, what's the idea? Full moon that never fades. Hmm? Even as the night ends and stands, he stands, this Ram stands on a raised platform against the copper sky just before the sun speaks peaks, excuse me, above the horizon. If we look at Krishna's Kishore Leela, which is which is that period in his life where the excellences of his Kumar Leela and the excellences of his Poganda Leela and the excellences of his Kishore Leela are all together. In other words, when Krishna passes from childhood to boyhood, the excellences of the childhood go with him hmm? and combine with the excellence of his, of his boyhood and those two together go with him as he enters his Kishore period which makes it the full uh, expression if you will of the fullest expression of, of Krishna Kishore Krishna hmm? uh, as here does of um, but if we look at the uh, Kishore Leela in reference to what's being written here, of course, then uh, we can understand that the sun in service to Krishna, and of course the sun, Surya, is present in the Leela. Also, we have gods and goddesses. Some people can see them and experience them. Um, they are the macrocosmic expression of our own active and emotive life. We're a microcosm of that. So, are they real? Some people. I haven't seen them. Have you seen your emotions? Have you? They, they're derived from the entirety of the natural world, if you will. That um, you are your biological and psychological sense of self is, is a microcosm of. So, yes, they they they, they exist. In, in this uh, uh, sense, and uh, in while in the material world, hmm, these devas are the principal devas whose positions are posts, uh, administrative posts within the order, if you will, of the, of the natural world. The wind, the sun, uh, for example. Um, those posts are uh, attained by by different uh, uh, jivas and um, and at the same time in Krishna Leela in the aprakat unmanifest Leela in order for it to have as it does its human like Sensibilities. There also need to be gods and goddesses, hmm? which you wouldn't find in Vaikuntha, but in the Apakat, 
non-manifest lila, which is also sometimes termed aprakrita, not aprakat, but aprakrita. Prakrita means material. Aprakrita means it looks like material, but it's not. So it's the human-like leelas of Krishna, unmanifest lila. There, there are also gods and goddesses, but they're all devotees. Hmm? So they're manifestations of a particular sentiment of, of devotion. This, this is their role. They're, they're, they're not like people, sadhakas, who've attained that, but they're just part of the sarup shakti facilitating this human-like love, leelas of, of Krishna. So, uh, there, to some extent here, of course, during the prakatli, during the manifest leela, the gods will be aware of the extraordinary occurrence on earth of Krishna leela, once in a day of Brahma, Hmm? and serve it to some extent but we also find confusion amongst those devas and they're not always serving sometimes they're even opposing Krishna right hmm? but in the Aprakat Leela all the devas are there and they're, they're not opposing Krishna they're all trying to serve and facilitate so the sun will be a little timid to show his face hmm? if it's not safe in terms of the requirements for the Leela that Krishna not be caught having been out in rendezvous throughout the night. Of course, now we're looking at the Aprakat Leela as if there is Parakya there, which many devotees do. Some, Jiva Goswami in particular, seems to look at it as if there's no Parakya there. And it's a, it, there it is, the Swakya Leela. That's a whole other subject. But but at any rate, the idea here is that that wherever there is parakya lila sensibilities, and the sun is tuned in to Krishna lila, either as a material demigod trying to serve that, uh, or as a, as a god of the aprakat lila, then he's going to be a little shy and look for for the kind of signal. That it's okay to rise. Krishna's in his bed, he's sleeping, no problem. Because shortly after the sun arrives, Malisoda will be there and trying to wake him up and, and uh, have him attend his, his, his various duties and so forth. So, waiting, Surya is waiting for Ram to blow his horn and, and say, It's okay, you can come up now. With Ram's permission, the sun will rise. And herald the new day. Um, uh, as the sound of Ram's horn then calls all the cowards to assemble, and endless dreams of longing for cowherding throughout the forest of Braj come true. So this speaks about the condition of those in Sakirati throughout the night, for the most part. As we say, I have been saying Krishna may rendezvous with the gopis at night, but what, what, are the, what about the cowards? Well, for the most part, hmm, they're sleeping. There may be some exceptions. In the work of Raghunathas, we find some exception of Subal awake in the night and assisting Krishna in his romantic affairs. So, that subject is dealt with entirely in, in another uh, chapter of, of this particular book. But, the general condition, of course, is that they're, they're sleeping throughout the night. And I've mentioned here that in the Brajlila there is waking and dreamy consciousness, but no dreamless sleep. According to the, uh, the Vedanta, there are three, dement, four dimensions of consciousness. Mm-hmm. If we look even closer, we find five. Mm-hmm. Fifth one is a kind of secret. Can find it in Gopaltapani, Turiyati to Gopala. But those four are waking dimension of consciousness, the dreaming dimensions of consciousness. When when we turned off our consciousness, our awareness in this sense is turned off to the waking sensibilities because they're not functioning. Our legs aren't moving, our arms aren't moving, our eyes are not open, and so forth. Right. So for all intents and purposes. We are conscious, but the physical realm is not 
functioning for us. And we're not aware of it. Because it's not happening, right? But the but dreams are happening, which is the mental stage. So in the second dimension, that is called Swapna, or the dream condition. So you have waking consciousness, dreaming consciousness. In dreaming consciousness, we find that I exist. Hmm? In one sense, independent of the physical realm. It could be going on. I'm not there. I'm not participating in it. Hmm? Of course, I'm of course, still in the body. It's still breathing and so forth. But there's a sense that the, that the rishis have drawn from thinking about this. That hmm, this seems to imply that I, that unit of I-ness, I amness, and awareness exists in a dimension of consciousness where the physical and waking condition doesn't really have any 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 role. Hmm? Maybe I, that I, am independent of the physical. Maybe I am mental. Hmm? Then there's a third dimension, which is deep sleep, where there's no dreaming. Hmm? Now, not only the physical world has been turned off for all intents and purposes, but the mental world has been turned off. Hmm? And when there's no dreaming in deep sleep, then you get most uh, rested. Hmm? And when you wake up from that deep sleep, you say, Oh, I rested well. The way the Rishis talk about it is, hmm, you must have been somehow conscious in that contentless condition hmm, to be able to now say, I rested well. Because if you didn't, you can't remember something that you didn't experience. So you must have been experiencing some restful condition with the mind turned off, the physical world and all of its responsibilities turned off, hmm? the demands of the mind, the demands of the body, hmm? it, it turned off or in, in at least just put on hold, so to speak. And oh, it was I was able to rest. Hmm? And so then they conclude from this that it would appear that the self, there's there's an implication here that could be followed, that could be pursued, the implication being that it's possible that that, that self, that I am, exists independent of the physical and the mental realm. Hmm? And of course, then a discipline is given, in this, this is the theory of the sacred texts, discipline is given to, to, to demonstrate whether that's true or not. That's what we call sadhana. Hmm? And the adepts hmm, who uh, perfect their sadhana, they experience this, this truth. Hmm? And, and, and they demonstrate considerable, in order to do so, control of the mind and control of the physical, of the mental and the physical microcosm. Hmm? So while there's a lot of debate in modern society about what the mind is and the dominant thinking is it's just the brain, hmm? um, those theories are put out by people who have no control over their minds. Ask them to sit and think about one thing for half an hour without thinking about anything else. You'd like if they can do it for 30 seconds. Hmm? Take the yogi who can control the mind and as a result of controlling the mind, he has certain experiences hmm, that he's reporting, which describe the mind as something other than the brain, being fourfold in its composition, antakarna, jitta, udi, manas, ankar, so on and so forth. Uh, it would be hard for the reasonable person, objective person, to dismiss those reports, those experiences, 
Mm-hmm. Coming from somebody who has such mastery over the physical urges and the mental urges. Should we give more credence to the reasoning that is unhinged from revelation and arises in the person who has very little control over his or her mind and for that matter over their senses. In science, of course, it's thought that if you rise above your emotions to objective and irrational perspective, you can come closer to the truth. Hmm? So, perhaps a philosophically minded person or a philosopher or a scientist hmm, is more objective than the average person and has a greater ability to weigh in on objective evidence and identify with it over and above feelings and emotions that might contradict it. Hmm? But that's a that's a very, very minuscule amount of control over and harnessing of our physicality, our humanness, our emotions, the demands of our mind, and so forth. Hmm? Set a plate of food, of pizza, whatever his favorite food is before him. And, right? The dogness, likeness, uh, the animalist, animalness of, of even the scientists will uh, will come out, or or inform them of their their family members' plight. Hmm? Your daughter has been in an accident, and so forth. And, and, and the yogi doesn't have a daughter, <laughs> doesn't have a father and mother. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? He or she sees the whole world as his family. He sees the sufferings of others as his, his own. He, he, he has. He has identified with the common ground of consciousness that underlies the entirety of the physical and mental um, realms and so forth. Who are you going to believe? I mean, this is a, this is my point. The yogi has shown a measure, the sadhaka, the siddha, of objectivity that far exceeds that which the rationalist, the scientist, the philosopher holds high. Hmm? You understand? Yeah. Prides and says, this is the way to know. Hmm? By reason. Hmm. Getting above our superstition and our oh, subjective feelings, what it, what it might be like, hmm. and so forth. Now, of course, the method to arrive at the experience of the, um, and the observation of the yogi is um, challenging. It takes great courage to be a saint to pursue that ideal. But as far as credible people to um, follow, these are our choices. We here have chosen to follow the siddhas, to follow the mystics, and for good reason. So they have looked at this microcosm of ourselves and these dimensions of consciousness and while they don't conclusively speak unto themselves about the fact that that we are constitutive of consciousness and consciousness is independent of the mind and the body they hint at the possibility and enough to encourage them to take up a methodology by which that could be demonstrated to them Again, that, that's what we call sadhana. So from the three stages, hmm, the third stage of deep sleep, they think, hmm, that seems to indicate that there's a possibility that we exist and it's 
in a restful, peaceful, shanti shanti condition, when we are not under the influence of the mind and the body, we're not produced by the mind, we're not a product of the body, hmm? and we're peaceful when we're not being harassed by them or under their constraints and so forth. Hmm? Now, given that insight and possibility, again, we take this, the practice given in Revelation and then we actually enter into Turiya, the fourth dimension. Hmm? The fourth dimension isn't attained just by going to sleep and not dreaming. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Just like when the world, the macrocosm of the world enfolds in our worldview, back into Vishnu, right? Hmm? Exactly. All the jivas go into Sushupti. Sushupti is kind of like entering into Brahman in as much as the mind is not operative there, its demands, the physical realm and its demands are not operative. So Sushupti is restful and it's kind of a homogeneous kind of a togetherness of just pulsating on the ground of consciousness. But Susupti is not Brahman realization, right? It's also a material condition. In a macrocosmic sense, it's like the microcosmic deep sleep. But just as in the macrocosm, the world again expands and we're arrested by our dormant karma from the previous life and we get an identity based on that. Similarly, in the microcosm of ourselves, we go into deep sleep and we wake up. The day starts again. right? And there the physical and the mental are there to arrest us and, and, and so on. So, deep sleep is not self-realization, just like susupti is not. These are the microcosmic and macrocosmic expressions of the same same phenomena. But turiya, the word turiya is used to describe this other dimension. It's not the physical dimension, it's not the mental dimension, it's not the deep sleep dimension, dreamless sleep. It's, for lack of a word, to even describe it, given that it, it is a dimension of consciousness where words cannot go. They cannot capture. It's not physical. Words are physical. Sound vibrations. Thoughts cannot capture it. Hmm? Therefore, for lack of a better term, it's just called the fourth. With shrouded in mystery. Right? Shrouded in mystery for those who are very much tuned into the to the to the first and the second and the third. It's it's wholly different. It's the world of consciousness that itself, the, the very source of our um, uh, atomic, um, atmic uh, self. Therefore, the fourth, Turiya. Now here, what we're talking about is that the cowherds in Yoloka, they experience waking and dreaming, but they do not experience waking and dreaming under themselves like we do here as the waking dimension and the dreaming dimension of consciousness. They're not in the waking dimension when they're awake that we're in. They're not in the dreamy dimension. Hmm? They're not in the deep sleep dimension and they're not in Turiya either. They're in Turiyatita. They're in the fifth dimension where there is waking (laughs) and there is dreaming but there is no deep sleep. Hmm? In Vaikuntha, the fourth dimension, hmm? then it's not human-like. Hmm? So, we shouldn't expect in the same sense 
dreaming, waking, like we find in the human-like pastimes of Krishna. You understand? That realm is ahoksaja. It's overtly transcendental. Krishna's realm, again, is aprakrita. It looks like the material world, but it's not. Hmm? So there we have waking and dreaming. No dreamless sleep. Hmm? Because they're always conscious of Krishna. Hmm? Right? But that waking and dreaming are not the, the waking and dreaming realms of material consciousness. They are the fifth dimension of consciousness, the Aprakrita realm. And this uh, idea is spoken about, as I say, by some Vedantists. Dwaitans will speak about it a little bit, but not much. And their understanding of it is, is very, um, very speculative and um, um, has... Uh, absolutely no no charm but they speak about the fifth as if it is less than the fourth which doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. of course their fourth is entering into Brahman mm-hmm. that's, that's their, their idea uh, fourth would include in our notion by Kuntha the fifth then is beyond the fourth mm-hmm. this is Golok mm-hmm. so Gopal Tapa says Turiyatita Gopala in the realm of Gopal, that is the fifth dimension. And so, in Braja, there is waking and dreaming consciousness, but no dreamless sleep. And therein, the waking and dreaming manifest not under themselves, like they do in the material world, nor within the fourth, all encompassing dimension of consciousness, Turiya, but rather in the fifth dimension. Hmm? So says Gopal Tapani, Shruti. As an aside, uh, I've told the story before, but it's worth repeating. The uh, great Nainananda Thakur of the uh, 17th century, uh, actually 18th century, early part of the 1700s, um, who uh, composed the uh, book Preo Bhakti Rasarnava, a book on Sakirati, I had the opportunity to speak with the um, hunt in his uh, in the uh, lineage, present-day Mahant, in the lineage of um, Nainananda, which stems from Sundarananda Thakur, one of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu's associates, who is Sudama. Saka, one of the Dwarasa Gopals in Krishna Leela. So these Gopals came with Nidinana Prabhu. So Sudam came. Mm-hmm. He's a Priyasaka. Not a Priyanarma Saka, but a Priyasaka. And he appeared in the person of Sundarananda Thakur. So there's a lineage coming from Sundarananda Thakur over the centuries of Sakyarasa. So Nainananda Thakur is, uh, was a prominent person in that lineage. And as I say, he wrote the book Prayer bhakti, Rasanava. Prayer bhakti means prayer means uh, friendship. Hmm? So uh, when I was speaking with the Mahant, hmm, um, I was asking him some questions about the lineage and so forth, and somehow the conversation turned in such a way as that he, that he told a story of Nanand Thakur and how he used to travel and recite. Uh, Harikata hmm, from the Sakirati perspective and he came into one area and the local king had heard about his um, saintliness and his famous Harikata so he asked that tonight you will speak Harikata hmm, in, in, in the auditorium when everyone will attend but for Nanananda, this was a problem because his practice was that he would never speak about, never give Harikata after uh, after bedtime hmm? In, into the night. Hmm? This was scheduled for after bedtime, you know, in the evening of entertainment, right? And the reason he didn't 
knew that was because Krishna's pastimes with his cowards all taking part, part taking place during the daytime. Hmm? So he was kind of living in that sensibility, and it was night he would he would go to sleep. There was no staying up and talking about the Vedas. That's what it was that the way he uh, conducted himself. But now the king wanted him to speak at the night, and you couldn't refuse the king mm-hmm. in those days. So he that night he was scheduled to speak for the next night, so he prayed to Gopal, his deity, to protect him. And Gopal appeared to him in a dream and told him, it's all right if you speak about my leelas in the night, into the wee hours, my Nisakirasa was because they are taking place in the in the dreaming of all the coward boys. So they go to sleep, but they don't have deep sleep. Hmm? They have their 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 sleep is full of the dreams of cowherding with Krishna all day long. Hmm? Um, so in Bhaktiya Bhakti Rasarnava. He mentions that during the night the cowards are dreaming about Krishna when he gives his uh, the vision of the day, the typical day of the life of a coward boy. So that was added in, divinely inspired from Gopal himself. Hmm? Beautiful, beautiful story. Hmm? Um, so basically, the idea here is that these cowards are dreaming all night long, and with the blowing of Balaram's bugle, his buffalo horn, their dreams now are coming true. Their dreams are coming true, and the truth of the daily cowherding turns into dreams, and the dreams turn into <laughs> turn into to, to, the, to the reality, to the, the physical reality, the waking state of it. So they're just going back and forth between. So they're living their dreams. So the, the bugling of Barlam's buffalo horn is basically the fulfillment of their dreams manifesting before them in another day of um, cowherding. Hmm? So, that's a good initial reading for, the, for this morning. With that, we'll stop. Shigopaldev ki jai, nanantakur ki jai. Gauri Vaishnava Vacharjas ki jai, Sankati Vedanta Swami Prabhupada ki jai, Bhakti Vaishnava Dev Goswami Maharaj ki jai, Shri Krishna Janmastami ki jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Now I may proceed to the, to the kitchen. Right?